Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Electrifying AI. Our mission is to provide a venue for clean energy enthusiasts to gain up-to-date insights on the latest developments taking shape in the electricity sector. Along the way, we'll help demystify the connection between the greatest machine ever built, the electric grid, and the greatest enabler of our time, data analytics. To help us do that, we'll have a series of special guests this season who hold a variety of different roles throughout the electricity industry. However, for this episode, we have decided to change things a little. We're going to look at the role of leadership and change management in our rapidly transforming industry. For today's episode, we're excited to welcome someone I came to know and admire during my time in business school. Dean Bill Bolding is an accomplished scholar with a passion for helping advance business as a force for good. Amongst his many other engagements, Bill also serves as a member of the World Economic Forum's Council on Values. He is also the Dean of Duke University's Fuqua Business School, which is where I earned my MBA. An interesting fact is that Bill's star students and my fellow Fuqua alums include Tim Cook, the current CEO of Apple, and Melinda Gates from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Dean Bolding, it is an honor to welcome you to Electrifying AI. It's a it's a privilege to join you, and it won't be long before they're going to be naming you in that category. So uh, <laughs> it's great to be here with you. Well, thank thank you, thank you for that. So, Bill, before we talk about anything else, and since I have intense rivalry where I work, how is our basketball team doing? And more importantly, how is our wonderful coach K doing? So it's uh, it, it's been a, a really tough year. And the the impact of COVID from the very beginning on the basketball season uh, just made it a, a very challenging year. Uh, of course, Coach K was up to that challenge, but uh, at the very end, when he had the team playing great and and ready to to advance, then COVID raised its ugly head yet again. And so, unfortunately, yeah. not not quite the ending uh, we were looking for. Although I will point out. This makes two years in a row where Duke has ended their season with a win. That's and, right. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's the first time since 1991 and 1992. So uh, it, 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 you know, it, I'll take it. I, I'll take that too. And also that's a, a, a plus for us versus um, where, where I am right now. So um, we're talking about change and um, builders. There's a lot of change that's uh, all around us these days from the way our world has turned upside down during COVID-19. You know, obviously we were talking about the basketball team just here, um, but in, in, in several other industries as well. And also the ever increasing political divides um, across the world. Uh, and add to that the rapid rise of automation and, and just the generational shifts in workforces. So leaders today have so many variables they need to handle. How does one influence change on top of all this? So what, what you described is a very, very complicated, complex world that we now live in. And, and I do think that the, the job of a leader is much more difficult than, than it once was, where uh, you, you could kind of roll out, roll out the ball to, to play a game with a, a single-minded focus on maximizing shareholder value. That mm -hmm. was the expectation. Uh, but that expectation has changed profoundly, where it's become clear 
that business has this transformational power. Uh, and given that it has that, that power, there's responsibility that goes along with that, where you have to, you have to manage the impact that business has on society. And, uh, and with that opportunity to, to change things so significantly comes a responsibility to be very thoughtful about the scope of things that, that now fall within the domain that, that a leader needs to worry about. And um, Bill, what are, what would be some of those domains that you would say are high on the pecking order, just given the current environment uh, for yeah. leaders? So, so there's a, a a good news, bad news story here, which mm-hmm. is that uh, we've gone through one of the most challenging eras of of my lifetime, if not the most challenging era. As you look at the the convergence of of multiple crises that mm-hmm. that have hit. Uh, the, the the biggest public health crisis of my lifetime, uh, and certainly of the last hundred years. You'd have to be pretty old, I think, to <laughs> to see something worse. Uh, the the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Although the the economic crisis is 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 very uh, idiosyncratic uh, in many ways. Some people are doing fine; others are, are harmed greatly, and. Uh, and uh, on top of uh, those two crises, what we've seen is the the clear intensification of a crisis around racial equity and justice, mm. where um, this is a crisis that's been been building for many, many, many years. But uh, as with many things in the COVID world, has has been intensified um, in this environment, and so what's interesting is that as you look at the convergence of of these three crises simultaneously, and you ask, how have we done? You know, ha- have we done a good job of managing those crises? And, and the answer is, in a world that is so very, very polarized as a starting condition pre-COVID, in many ways, the, the COVID environment has intensified that polarization and made the challenge of leadership all the more complicated. And I would argue that what we've seen in many instances is a fourth crisis, which is a crisis of leadership where what's happened is people have have played on differences they've they've looked out for their team versus another mm. team and and really taken actions which could be viewed as as selfish uh you know ineffective confusing they have not done the things that are so badly needed during a crisis which is to give people a sense of confidence that they're going to be okay that they belong to something that, that there's some common purpose that, that we're all working toward uh, a sense of we're going to tell the truth and, and, and be honest and realistic with one another. And that ultimately, even though these are difficult times, that, that we're going to be better, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this enormous stress and anxiety, and it's worsened in many cases rather than improved. And so that's why I say we've seen this crisis of leadership and a loss of faith and trust in institutions we typically rely on to advance the common good. And mm-hmm. what, what I find so, uh, so interesting in this environment is to look at, well, how is the business community viewed in the midst of these terrible crises? Mm-hmm. And, and here, it, it, it's, a, it, it's really a fascinating thing to see that unlike the response that society had to the role of business in the 
the Great Recession, the Great Financial Crisis of 08, where business came out of that with with two very big black eyes and a, and an enormous loss of of faith, trust, and confidence in the institution of business. Now it's very different, where people are actually looking to the business community. And so you ask the question, if you're going to deal with a health crisis, which institution do you trust the most to tell you the truth about Mm -hmm. what's going on, to give you the best advice in terms of what you should do in responding to this health crisis? That institution is actually your employer. Mm. If you ask the question, who's going to be most helpful in terms of driving economic recovery? Well, that's in our sweet spot. That's our day job that that we're going to be worried about how we drive innovation and value creation and opportunity, uh, dignity to respect for, for people that is badly missing in many instances in the current environment. And then if you look at the question of racial racial equity and justice, it turns out that here, 71% of the population says the institution they trust most to successfully deal with issues of racial equity and justice is my employer. So once again, as you look at these three core crises, business is now in an elevated position where there's an expectation that we're going to successfully tackle some of these issues that traditionally may have been left to to other uh, other kinds of institutions, governmental institutions, non-governmental organizations, and so on. But the belief is that uh, that it's going to be business, and, and of course, as as we kind of steer towards the the, the core of uh, the content of relevance to to, to this podcast, uh, there is an expectation that beyond those those crises that are really immediately presented by COVID, that business is going to be the platform to deal with issues like climate change, mm. and so we we have this very interesting juncture where we're being given the trust, we're, we're, we're being given the faith to take positive steps. And so here's where I'm both excited and nervous because the, the excitement is we can really unlock the potential of business as a force for good, that we can use business as a platform for positive change in society. But at the same time, I'm nervous because what if business is given this opportunity to step up and they're not ready. They mm. don't seize this moment. They don't take the, the the steps where that expectation is clearly there. And if in this moment, when people think that we can do things that will positively change the world, we fail to do so, then we're looking at, at very much a, a, a broken promise to society. Bill, what, very well summarized and very well said. I'd like to revisit the the point that you um, made about racial equity. There's a lot of voices in our industry that are saying that um, there is no environmental justice without social justice and vice versa. There's no social justice without environment, environmental justice. I was curious to get your take on, on, on that sentiment um, that's, that's ongoing um, in, in many different parts of the world. I, 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 I agree with that belief. I, I think that we're living in a world where there is so much interdependence and mm. and to be able to, in many ways, we like to be able to partition problems and be able to tackle them in some modular fashion and, and knock them out one by one. But 
But if anything has happened out of this pandemic, it has made so clear the amount of interdependence between a variety of different issues that all converge together, which is why, you know, I'll just repeat my, my comment from before, that the challenge of leadership in the world today is so much more difficult as you're trying to pull together these different threads that that will need to work together to you know pull pull together uh, in the right direction, as opposed to having things that you know we we deal with something over here, but then we fail to recognize it connects to something mm-hmm. over here, and therefore we don't do as good a job as we could. And so you you need leaders who have an incredibly broad, encompassing perspective on the challenges that we face in society today. And, and you need to, you need to uh, do something which is recognized. No one of us is smart enough to see everything in that picture. Mm. And so more than ever, something that, that, that we believe in and that, that I think that we, we certainly, you know, put into your head during your time uh, at Duke is that a great team is going to beat a great individual. And one of the reasons why you need great teams in the world today is the world is so complicated. You need to draw so much expertise. You need to draw the different perspectives to see how things interrelate in ways that are just too much for a single person to be able to come up with, Absolutely. with the, the, the entire landscape. Absolutely. So, um, Bill, just taking that thought and and, and bringing it to some um, recent events in in our space, um, how do you see leadership and corporate responsibility contribute to public trust? And then why is that important uh, for us in the electricity industry, perhaps in the wake of damaging events uh, such as the California wildfires or the um, the big aftermath of the Texas ice storm, where pretty much most of Texas was uh, left in the cold in, 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 in an environment like 2021. Um, so any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, so again, th- this connects to uh, the, this, these expectations that, that are real in society, uh, that, that the business community is going to be looking out for a variety of stakeholders and and you know one of the critical stakeholders is if if you have a footprint um, in a community then you're going to be looking out for that community mm. and uh, and that you're you actually care about those people so this this connects into uh, a very fundamental concept that that I think is important in leadership today which is decency and uh, and I, I've already alluded to one dimension of decency, which is the humility to understand that that others know more than you. But another dimension of decency is that that you care about other people, that that you want to put them in a better situation, you want to improve their lives, you want to bring out their best. And when you can do that, then then you you create virtuous cycles as opposed to vicious cycles. And and unfortunately, what we've seen is that you know, due, due to a combination of natural events and, um, and then man-made events in, mm-hmm. in response to those, that the people literally feel left out in the cold. Like, who, who, who is looking out for me? And, uh, and this is where I come back to, during a crisis, people, 
people want to know the truth, but but they want to know that they belong to something. It gives them some structure, some ability to cope with the very difficult situation that they're in, a sense of that they belong to something that that will make a difference for them and that they can get to the other side of this. And, and so there's a really critical recognition of there's some things that we don't control that can lead to really miserable, uh, miserable conditions. And mm. it's not like any of us made the choice to have COVID. It's not like we chose to have wildfires. It's not like we, mm. we chose the, the, these horrible weather conditions in, in Texas. Um, uh, but, but how we respond when something bad happens means a lot in terms of communicating our values in terms of what we stand for, what we care about, and how we want to use business and its role in society. And so my belief is if, if you're going to be a business leader today, you, you just don't have a choice. You, you have to recognize that that business platform has to be used as a force for good. Mm. You know, whether it's dealing with these COVID issues or whether it's dealing with decarbonization, we have to think through how we take advantage of, of the power of business in order to improve lives around us. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Bill, um, continuing on that thought, um, you know, from, from where you sit, uh, you have a lot of insight into some of the, the, the next greatest things happening in, in the finance world and, 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 and in investments in general. So from what, from where, from where you see things, why, um, why, why is why can't um, business leaders ignore climate, carbon, and energy and any anymore? Uh, either yeah. be it from a corporate responsibility point of view, or maybe even due to investments or bottom lines. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and and really, it, it's all of the above. Uh, where, um, for one thing, you, you just can't. You can't ignore the business risk. People, people have uh, perhaps ignored the science, but the business community, if, if you're going to run your business effectively, you, you have to engage in risk management. And the reality mm -hmm. is that the climate uh, presents serious, serious risks. And, and the, the climate threats may be global warming and so on and, and the climate change associated with that. Or it could be the, the path that gets us there and these more erratic weather events that, that are causing uh, mm. you know, massive disruption. And so you know, simple, you know, simple business logic of, of risk management means you, you cannot ignore these issues. But uh, th there's another dimension, which is if you're building a business and you're, you're thinking about what you want to accomplish over the long run, then you you actually have to think about well is there a long run and so I had a uh, I had an interesting conversation with the he, he just stepped down as the CEO of Mastercard he's now the executive chairman and why is Mastercard so engaged in in climate change activity and, and his answer was because we have to think about this long run dimension in terms of what you know what shape will society be in. And we want it to be in good shape because if it's not in good shape, then how can we hope to have a business that's in good shape? And so this is a, a very foresighted uh, individual, very foresighted company in terms of thinking about we're building something for the very long haul. 
Now, so they just the again, these are these are pure business reasons. But then there's a, a third reality, which is how are we going to solve this problem? And it, how how will we get things under control? And the recognition among the business community is if if we're going to decarbonize, where where is that going to come from? It's it's not magic. It's going to have to be from the source, which is the business activity that so many of us are engaging in to be thoughtful about how we'll decarbonize how we'll incentivize new business, new innovation that allows us new ways of doing things that that help with the decarbonization, along with creating market-based incentives for decarbonization, which, by the way, we've got a lot of work to do because the amount of decarbonization that has to take place and the, and the carbon markets, it, maybe you could argue cover 1% of, of the task at hand. And so... We have to think about how we're going to bring the best minds in business and government together to think about this task of building markets that will create the right incentives, that will allow business to be sustainable, to to contribute to society, to drive the innovation that makes us all better off. But honestly, no business leader is in a position now where they can ignore it. Uh, for 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 a multitude now of reasons, and so uh, th- this, in my opinion, is very very good news that that we're seeing more and more people, you know, ask this question: if if not us, then who? Right, and so right. it it needs to be us. We we can't just expect someone else is going to give the the magic solution here uh, in terms of protecting our our present and our future. So, 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 Bill, what I'm what, what I'm hearing is that uh, climate risk is is not just an environmental thing anymore. It's it's also investment risk. Is that right? That's correct. And uh, and at the same time, th- there's investment opportunity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, on the uh, on this dimension of as we transition to uh, decarbonizing and what are the replacement technologies, you know, there there are lots. There is so much activity as as you alluded to in the financial sector um, where uh, they're they're finding there is plenty of opportunity to create great financial returns in these Mm. investments while at the same time making our planet safer, more resilient, and more secure. And so we we have an opportunity to uh, to make, make ourselves better while doing what's best. And, and, and for us, I think uh, that's the magic, that, that's the magic path is to be able to simultaneously do better while doing what's best for society and best for your company. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially as the generational shift um, continues and, and, and workplaces uh, throughout the world, um, people are the, uh, people are really interested in having purpose and and working for a greater good. So it it it's a it's it's a win win from multiple dimensions, yeah, uh, even that, from it, a talent pipeline. Well, that that's exactly right. So you, you you just made another business argument for why we why we need to uh, care about this, which is at the end of the day, a company is no better than its talent, and and the the enduring source of competitive advantage is going to be. You know, how good are your people? And so the, the the world has changed in that 
people, broadly speaking, want to take responsibility, not just for what's happening today, but what's going to happen for people in the future, what's going to happen to the people who are, will inherit planet Earth uh, from us. And so a real desire to do something that's meaningful. And, and so if you want to be able to attract the best and the brightest, then then this is yet another reason to say, you know, we, we care about uh, our footprint uh, and, and how it is that, that we're shaping the world that we live in. Absolutely. So what does Dean Bolding think executives and business leaders in the energy industry uh, may need to focus on in 2021 and as the world continues to emerge from this pandemic? Yes. So, uh, you know, f- first of all, uh, we, we can't, we can't just snap our fingers and, and make a, a transition, uh, o- overnight, uh, to, to something that gives us clean energy, renewables and, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, one thing is to, to be really responsible about, uh, our carbon footprint, um, as we make, as we make a tech technology shift in terms of, of new options. Uh, and so one, one interesting implication uh, that may be sticky coming out of the pandemic is as we've all been uh, stuck at home, you know, so many businesses, the, the normal way of doing business is that you travel uh, and, and of course that, that creates a, a fairly large carbon footprint if your company is sending people out around the world on a, on a regular basis. And so uh, will, we, will we use the technologies that we've become, I, I wouldn't say comfortable with because people don't love these technologies. They, they miss people. They, they want to feel connected. But we've Especially become, the filters. Especially but, the Zoom filters. Yes. <laughs> but, but at least we've become accustomed to these technologies. And so uh, a conversation with uh, uh, a, a, a really big company where I was talking to someone right before they were going into their, their annual meeting where normally they would bring people together from all around the world and they were doing it virtually. And this person was saying, you know, this meeting is so much better than, than what we were doing in person. And, and so... You know, will we see some stickiness in terms of uh, any business being able to reduce its carbon footprint? Uh, and so, you know, one thing I would say here is it's it's not it's not just people in the energy business directly. If you're an electric utility mm-hmm. uh, or or you're involved in big oil and gas, you know, you're it, it doesn't just fall on on their shoulders. They're they're operating off of the demand. And so there's there's drive demand for uh, for energy, and so we have to be thinking about all of us collectively about our energy future and what that can look like, and can can we make sure that that we give people the opportunity for for healthy lives uh, as we as we move forward? For sure, um, this has been a terrific conversation, Bill. Uh, thank you so much for your insights and your time. We hope we can have you back here again 
uh, soon. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you. Thank you again for, for joining us today. Here's a, here's a reminder for our listeners that they can find you on Twitter at Bill Bolding. That's B-O-U-L-D-I-N-G. And they can learn more about the Fuqua School of Business at Fuqua, F-U-Q-U-A dot Duke dot E-D-U. Bonus points if you um, get to pronounce Fuqua right. Um, and you can follow uh, the Fuqua Business School at Duke Fuqua as well. Okay, Bill. So here is one last curveball for you. We're building an electrifying AI playlist on Spotify during season two, and you get to pick a song. So what is it going to be? And, and bonus points if it includes power or energy or electricity somehow. Okay, so uh, let, let me give you actually three different options. One, we'll take it. <laughs> one, one is an album. So uh, the album would be Electric Ladyland, uh, okay. Jimi Hendrix. Uh, the, uh, the song would be The Electric Slide uh, by The Hit Crew. And uh, the band would, of course, be The Electric Light Orchestra. Wow. Wow. That may have been our most creative and uh, best list so far on electrifying AI. So thank you for those uh, suggestions. So listeners, what songs do you want us to include? Leave your music suggestions in the comments or tweet them to me at The Electric Sal. We might just include your pick on our playlist and send you some very cool electrifying AI swag to say thank you. Well, folks, that is all for this episode, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us again. Bye-bye. Thank you.